0: Hello, my name is Donnie Smith and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you and enjoy. Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. I'm going to start at verse 1. I'll be reading through to verse 11. I'll be reading out of the New King James Version want everybody to say this in concert and in unison. Say it like you're speaking and declaring over your own heart so that it's receptive to receive what God wanted, wants to speak this morning. Amen? Say amen. Say, this is the infallible, undisputed, and inerrant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truth. God, I thank you that fruit is going to abound. Do you believe that this morning? To my account, as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Remain standing for the respect of reading God's word. And it says this, And so it was, As the multitude pressed about him, everybody say Jesus, Jesus. to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats standing by the lake. Look at somebody and say, one of these boats just might be yours. Come on, look at somebody else and say the same thing. One of these boats might represent your boat. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. And then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon Peter's. Everybody say Peter. Peter. so Peter's boat. And asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep. Everybody say it's time to go deeper. (laughs) Launch out into the deep. And let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their nets were breaking. And so that they signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats So that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John and the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon Peter, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. From now on, you will catch men. Look at somebody and say, God is about to. Look at them with real conviction. God is about to shift our destiny. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. Everybody say amen. You may have your seats. There is not one person in this room look at somebody and say, no, not even you. There's not one person in this room that does not want to accomplish something great for God. Everybody in this room wants to be used of God. Everybody wants to live out the purpose, and the calling of God for their life. Does everybody feel that way? Am I the only one who has this innate need to fulfill something in the earth? You know, you're here for more than just getting through your teenage years, figuring out who you are, getting married, finding the career that God wants for you, making a living, paying bills, and hopefully just hopefully you save up enough money that you don't leave the burden of you know financial burden of burying yourself and having your funeral with somebody else you have enough in the bank left over our lives are much more meaningful than that uh, there's much more purpose that god has for us does everybody does everybody believe that and i know that sometimes it's easy for us to say yes i believe that but but by our lifestyle many of us If our life was preaching a sermon, it doesn't preach that. But God has a calling. He has a destiny for each and every one of us to fulfill. One of the issues, I think, in the kingdom is that most people don't feel that they know what that calling is. And if they did, they would begin to fulfill it. But everybody wants to live out their purpose and their calling. And I've seen something recently in this story with Peter that I've never seen before. Something very profound, and I want to share it with you this morning. Are you ready? I have a few points that I want to I want to drop this morning. Now I'm going to be using more like an ancient message um, when I say that I'm an old soul. I'm I'm still in my 30s, but my preaching is probably more like I'm in my 80s. And so I want to preach a message that is not. Hopefully, it does get you happy. It does get you excited. It does bring some encouragement to you. But it also Causes a light bulb to come on in your life so that you can identify where you're at, but even more importantly, identify where God is calling you, you, your family, for your destiny, come on, so that he can accomplish his will and his plan for your life, amen? And so, as I was looking at this story, I'm convinced more and more that, this life that see i began 20 years ago maybe almost 21 years ago the jesus i know today is not the jesus i knew back then when i was 17 or 18 years old completely different jesus the jesus that i got introduced to back then was the jesus who delivered me from drugs and alcohol and who rescued me from poverty who Rescued me from a self destructed life, from a bound life. I remember I was in a church service and I had so many demons. I mean, I'd never fallen down like that before, but I kept falling down and this guy would lay hands on me and he would say, Come out in Jesus' name. And I had no control over my body and I would just fall down over and over. And, you know, the rest of the week, I felt like a thousand tons was off of my shoulders. I, I really experienced the born again experience. Like, I really felt like I had been born again. But as I begin to follow Jesus, so that, that kind of set a precedence in my life as to Jesus wants to make my life better. Jesus has blessings, and he does. Look at somebody and say, he does, he does. but there's more. Go ahead and look at somebody and really tell them that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Lois. Look at him real good. Say, there is more. He didn't think I was going to call you out. So there is more to it. And the more that I have followed Jesus, I am figuring out that he wants to release blessings to me that I cannot receive. He wants to give me houses I didn't build, like the Old Testament says. He wants to use you and use me to cast out demons, to heal the sick, to raise the dead. All these things that Jesus empowered his disciples to do, but yet there's still more. And the more I'm following him... I'm figuring out that this life of following him is not as easy as I once anticipated. you want to know what I've really found out? More than him just wanting to use you in life. His goal for the believer's life is to accomplish this one very thing. To bring you to the end of yourself. Because there's only so many blessings that he can release to you when self is still in the way. God says in his word, I have predestined you. Look at somebody and say, You. you. I like you to talk back. I tell everybody I came from an African American denomination, and so this keeps you kind of awake, particularly for those of you who haven't had your coffee yet. Look at somebody and say, You. you. He has predestined you to be blessed, He has predestined you to be rich. Does it say that? No. He has predestined you to walk in a high level of blessing so that you can feel fulfilled and be filled with joy for the rest of your life. He has predestined you to not go through any trouble. See, see, we don't say that, but we feel this way. Jesus, for many of us, and for many years that I served him, he was nothing more than an escape hatch from pain, from poverty and from disappointment, and from divorce. Yet, walking with Jesus, all those things still visited my life. So I found this out, that Jesus says, I have predestined you not to just be blessed, not to just walk in success, not to just be fruitful, but I've predestined you to be conformed into the image of my son. And what did his son portray. What was the image of his son? Well, the Bible says in the Old Testament, I feel like I'm about to get preachy here, he was marred more than any man. He went through heartache. He went through pain. He went through suffering. He went through betrayal. And then I started finding out, Lord, do you just get joy out of allowing your children to go through heartache, pain, and difficulty? No, it's not that at all, but it's that pain and the heartache and difficulty that removes you out of the way so that Christ can reign supremely and preeminently in and through your life so that you can walk out all the blessings that God has for you. I wish I had at least one person who would say amen. See, this is not, this is not popular preaching anymore, but if you want to reach the destiny that God has called you to you have to get self out of the way say Lord Jesus come on lay your hand over your heart say help me to come to the end of myself I'm sure Peter was tired of fishing you know how I know this it's not because it was in the DSV version But I, you, you, when you read the Bible, you have to read it by the Spirit. I, I love what Smith Wigglesworth said. He said, some people read it in the New King James Version. Some people read it in the uh, NES Version. Some people read it in the Amplified Version. He said, I read the Bible in the Holy Spirit. There's revelation upon revelation upon revelation in the Scriptures because it's alive. It's living. It's active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Say the word is alive. So so I was, I was looking, I'm reading this scripture this morning at 4.35 o'clock in the morning, and, and I'm reading it, and God is giving me revelation. So I, it was as if I was there, almost there with Peter in my holy imagination. And so I know he was tired of fishing his way because he wouldn't have been so willing to give up his boat to Jesus had he not been. It's sad to say that many of us have to first get tired of doing things our way before we come to the end of ourselves. I wish that we could wake up and just be born into wanting to do the will of God, wanting the person that God has for us, not the one that we want for us. Come on, don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Some of us have to make a few mistakes before we come to the end of ourselves. Unfortunately, some people go through a divorce before they come to the end of themselves. Come on, it's true. Some people have to lose a few jobs before they figure it out that it's not their employer. That's the problem. Some people have to go to a few different churches to figure out it's not them, not the church. Come on. Sometimes we have to go through heartache and pain, trial and error, before we can come to the end of ourselves. I told this teen the other day, I said, You can learn a few different ways in life. Life is a teacher. Say, Life is a teacher. And and I know this all too well. You can learn a few different ways. You can learn from others' mistakes, whether it was in their marriage or you've seen their poor career choices. You can learn from others. Or you can learn from the word. Unfortunately, not all of us take that route. It's too easy. We like it a little bit harder. So many of us choose the third way pain. Pain is life's greatest teacher. I I think Peter began to get it because the Bible says that he says, Master, and I quote, he says, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. That doesn't go on to say this, let's do it your way, but, but we know that he yielded and came to at least a level of the end of himself. We know through Peter's life chronologically that there was still a lot of Peter there, but at least at this level, trusting God in his career. Peter came to the end of himself. Say he came to the end of himself. He toiled all night and caught nothing. He was a master fisherman, and now I'm gonna listen to somebody who's not a master fisherman. Now, we know he was a master fisherman, but, but career-wise, Jesus, there's no recording of Jesus fishing for fish. Jesus knew better than him. Do you know that God knows What career paths you should take? Do you know what he knows, what ministry you're to be affiliated with? He knows where he wants to put your giftings on a platform. He knows who you're supposed to marry. He knows who you're not supposed to marry. He knows what relationships you're supposed to be in and not to be in. He knows what will add value to your life and he knows what relationships will cause devalue or detours to destiny in your life. So he came to a level of the end of himself. You know what that word toil means? It means to work extremely hard or incessantly, to labor and to work your fingers to the bone. I pray that this morning that this revelation I'm about to release in just a few minutes clicks on something in your life to give you a revelation that God's ways are always better than our ways. His ways are not just higher. I think we all get that intuitively, like your ways are higher than mine. But I mean, here on earth, meaning what you're doing right now in your life where you're seeing ineffectiveness, God has a better way. God has a better way. Do you know you can be doing the right thing out of the wrong spirit and out of the wrong motives, and therefore God will not allow success to ensue because you're doing it out of a wrong spirit? Or guess what? Or you can be doing it, but because you're not at the end of yourself, he will not allow it to succeed. And that's where Peter was. Fishing was his calling on earth. He would still go fishing with his friends that was god wired him that way. We all have specific wirings. It's not that he was doing the wrong thing, but he was doing it out of the wrong spirit or or exercising out of the wrong strength. You can be a preacher and doing the right thing but doing it out of the wrong strength. We know that, don't we, Rick? You can be fulfilling a certain calling that God has called you to, but the reason it's not succeeding, and I feel that by the Spirit of the Lord this morning, you're you're doing the right thing, but you're operating out of the wrong strength. There has to be a yieldedness in us. There has to be this complete surrender to where God can accomplish the work through you. He will never allow us to succeed to high degrees while we're still in the way because we can only handle such Altitude. Remember that bird I was telling you about? We're like crows and Jesus is like an eagle. We can only handle going so high. So the only way that you can survive going higher in your life is to die to yourself. We don't preach this anymore. Death to self. Yieldedness. Humility. You you know what I look for? When people come to me after service... Pastor, how can I get involved? And I know, I'm not saying anything specifically, but there are some who've come up to me over the past few years and said, you know, I really wanna get involved, and that makes me excited. But you know what class number one is? It's called humility. Don't come and try to express your gifts. Show me how humble you can be. Show me that you can serve somebody. Show me that you can come to a Wednesday night prayer meeting when all these people are not in here. Show me that you can serve consistently with faithfulness. Don't show me your giftings to heaven with your giftings. God doesn't choose people based on giftings. He looks for people who are dead to self so that he can live his life in and through them. And that's when the blessing comes. God has no problem giving anyone platform or power until they're the ones driving the boat. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah. Anybody getting anything out of this yet? And you know what's the funny thing about God? Here's what I found out. I found this out the past three and a half years with this church. And you don't realize it. It's very subtle. You don't know that you're doing things in your own strength. It's very subtle. The flesh is subtle. Say it's subtle. It's subtle. Look, listen to this. how this story lays out. Jesus could have allowed Peter to have a great success that night fishing. But yet, the Lord allows Peter to do things his way. And and listen, God will not stop you from fishing your way. He he won't stop you from climbing the ladder of success. He will not stop you. Say, He won't stop me. As a matter of fact, He will let you toil all night long, day after day, fighting for position fighting for some kind of financial gain. He'll let you do it day after day, week after week, month after month, and unfortunately, year after year for many of us. Until, guess what? You're done doing it your way and you're ready to invite him on the boat. Unsuccess is the Holy Spirit's way of teaching you when you don't have ears to hear. I'm clapping for myself right now. Did did, did you hear what I said? See, he says, let he who has ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. So when you don't have ears to hear, he teaches you through pain and failure. He'll teach you through failure. He was teaching Peter through his failure. Say, teach me, Lord. Lord. Just take it easy on me. And, and listen, don't, don't, don't think, because here's, here's what many uh, seasoned believers in the room will say, and even I have said, because when, when someone starts giving a benediction, or they start saying, you know, invite Jesus into your heart, and they try to make the, the altar call applicable to the Sunday morning, do you understand? And then us seasoned guys, we kind of check out, because we've already invited Jesus on the boat, right? But just because he's on the boat doesn't mean he's steering it. Most of us, I think that's a deal. I'm looking, I've, I've either led most of you to the Lord or you've already known Jesus and came to the church. I'm not, that's not the issue in the body of Christ. It's not the issue in the church. It's not the issue in our relationship with Jesus. Here's the issue. Is he on your boat? Yes, you've invited him. Yes, Lord, have your way. But your control tactics and your way of living says that Jesus is not in control of your boat. look at somebody and ask them and maybe even wait for the answer, like almost, not too long, because if you do it for like 20 seconds, it makes it awkward. Say, is Jesus in control of your boat? Peter was at the service. This is the revelation God gave me. When I read that over and over, why did, see, see, I only choose leaders who, who come to the service and show faithfulness. Peter was at this service, but he wasn't even serving. He was there cleaning nets. This is like, it's not happenstance. We know this was a divine appointment. Say it was a divine appointment. Peter was at the service, but but listen. but he, He was at the service, but his heart wasn't in it. He wasn't there to receive from Jesus. He was there to simply clean his nets. He was there for his own success. He was there. Do you know why? Can I, can I give you a little secret? Do you know why most people don't get promoted in the kingdom? Because they have motives. They're only there for platform. Let me make it more practical. Is there any business owners? Maybe you shouldn't raise your hand because I'm about to kind of hit on us a little bit. I'm one of them. When I first came to Jesus... I wanted him because I knew he was the only way because my education wasn't going to do it because I didn't have much of one. My business wouldn't prosper and elevate until I knew Jesus was on the boat. So I wanted him on the boat to give me success, but I didn't want him steering it. There's a difference, isn't there, Jane? There's a big difference between inviting him on and saying, I need you here to prosper and bless me. But I don't want you to take control of this because you'll start taking me in directions that are uncomfortable. You're going to start asking me to leave some people, places, and things that I'm not in necessary agreement with. Or, or your way of prospering, and here's what I found out God's way of prospering me wasn't Donnie Smith's idea of prospering me. You know what my idea of a good church was? The building to be filled. If you were wondering what I was saying, to Angelique, when you guys were all greeting each other, I started singing to her. She's the only one who won't make fun of me. She's giving me voice lessons. She's not really giving me voice, voice lessons, but I was, I was singing a Maverick City song. I don't know if I should say who it was, but I, but I was looking out over you guys, and I, and I said, it's not a building you want to fill. It's my heart. It's what you wanted all along. See, see, what we think success, from a pastor's perspective, fill the building. God had no, he had no intentions for the first few years. He has no intentions. But what he was wanting me to do was die to that thing and continue to die to that thing because he wasn't wanting to fill chairs. Jesus wants to be on your boat, not to just prosper you. What he really wants to prosper is your heart and your relationship with him. And out of that gets born destiny and blessing. It's not the other way around. You think the prospering of the business is going to help you fund the kingdom? I've had people say, I just want the Lord to bless my business so I can bless the kingdom. But really what they want to say is, I just want to be a recipient of the blessing, and I'll give you a little something, Lord, for doing that. But really, God just wants your heart. He wants to drive the boat. He wants to... He wants to be the one in control of your life, not in a manipulative way. He wants you get, to get you to your destiny and to your purpose, but he cannot get you there as long as you're strong-arming the wheel out of his hand. He cannot get you there with motive. He has to get us to the end of ourselves. Is anybody getting at least one thing out of this? Say, he wants me to come to the end of myself. You can be in this room, and Jesus can be in this room. He can be on the boat of your life. He can be on it, and you remain unchanged, unscathed, untouched. You can be in these services, and you're like, wow, these people are being touched. Either one thing, either that's really real, or they're faking it because I don't feel it. He can be on your boat and you not feel him and notice him. And it's not because he's not on the boat. It's He very rarely lets you experience him to the fullest until you completely surrender the wheel. There are no bargains with God. Catherine Kuhlman said, we're all out for a good bargain. When you shop, when my wife shops and she goes to, you know, Different stores, Publix, she gets those little coupons. When we want to go on a nice date to a nice restaurant and can't afford, you know, that $150 bill, she goes on Groupon. We all want a deal. But there are no deals with God. You have to pay the full price. And if you're not experiencing him to the level that your heart desires, it's not because he doesn't want to bless you. He doesn't want to bless you for your sake. He wants to bless you for his sake. He wants you to experience the blessing, but he wants to show you that he can get you to that blessing without you steering. Oh, did you catch it? You don't have to steer. You don't have to use your gift. It's called sovereignty. It's called yielding. It it's called it's called coming to the end of yourself because what is he wanting to create in our life? Say, what is it? Complete reliance. I told you I preached like an 80-year-old. Complete reliance. Let me ask you this. Looking at your life, it doesn't matter if you're 20 or you're 70 in here. I want you to evaluate your life. Right now. Let, let it just Picture where you are, where you've been, the choices you've made, good and bad. Are your choices reliable? Do you have what you want? Have you accomplished those dreams to the fullest? Have you got what we preachers call there? What's there? As soon as Peter caught the revelation, you know what there was? just being with Jesus, he's there. Because guess what? Your life may not be perfect, but when he's there, you'll feel like you're there. Struggling to pay your bills at the end of the month, when he's there, you'll still feel there. I know, I know, it, you, you can't, you can't see, it, but God has brought me through. I've come from poverty and I remember the Lord just, I remember just Lord just help me to be okay with being here in this place where I can't pay a bill, where I'm struggling. Well, I've been, I've been to where I had to choose tithe, tithing over eating. I have. And I fully, I don't say this out of arrogance, but it's, it's, I don't struggle with paying my bills. Trust me, I have my own job. I pay my mortgage, the church doesn't. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. But God allowed me those times of making a choice between Him, His priorities, and mine. And when it came between tithing and eating, this was not a tithing message. But guess what I chose? I really fully believe the reason I don't have a problem in my finances any longer and don't have problems paying a bill, because guess what? I gave Him the wheel. Some of us have the wheel. Jesus is still on the boat. He's here on Sunday morning. But yet, just stay right there, close enough to bless me. You know, you can stay right there. Don't please, don't leave. Just stay right there. Don't go too far because I know what will happen. But I need you close enough. But you can't have this. He's wanting to create reliance in us. Reliance, complete reliance. And this is is where we miss it. We keep looking for our strengths to operate. But God looks for our weakness. He looks, he inspects for your weakness because he cannot operate through your strength. With all Peter's experiences, he could have said, okay, Jesus... Come on my boat, but let me show you all the best spots to fish. You, you, you know the story. Don't need to put it up again. He, he invited him on the boat, and he could, he could have said this. Let me show you all the good fishing spots. You can come along, because if you're with me, I know you'll bless me to a degree, but he doesn't do any of that. He gets out of the way completely. Look at someone and say, get out of the way completely. Look at somebody else and say, get out of the way completely. He could have said, here are all the best Fishing spots. Now, no, he didn't do that. He got completely out of the way, and it begins to make sense to me that that why God always creates tough circumstances in my life and your life is if you don't have seemingly weaknesses that you're aware of, He'll create them. Where you thought you were strong, you you, you can probably think about a situation right now where you thought you were a great providing husband, and then your career flattened. He creates weakness. And it's not because he doesn't love you. And it's not because he doesn't want to bless you. He's only making room for himself. Maybe that still doesn't do it. Maybe 2 Corinthians will give us some light here. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. Is everybody okay? And he said to me, who was talking? Jesus was talking. He says, he's talking, he's talking to the apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And Paul is debating with Jesus That's what he's doing because he wouldn't have begged him three times. He said, I begged him three times to remove the thorn from me. He had weakness. He said, please get it out of me. And the DSV version would say this. Okay, let me just read this version. I'll read you the DSV version. That's the Donnie Smith version. But let me read the New King James first. He says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I'm going to read that again. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Where you are strong, God cannot operate in and through you. He can only operate through your weakness because it's only through your weakness that he can shine and show himself strong and glorify himself. And I hate to tell everybody this, but God is not in this thing to bless you for you. He's in it to bring glory to his own name. So if you could stop looking at your weakness as a curse, you will begin to boast in your weaknesses and say, thank you Jesus for that weakness. That's somewhere where you can make yourself shine brightly for somebody else. Do you know what my biggest, what do you want to know about what my biggest weakness is? Standing in front of people still to this day. Raise your hand if I'm telling the truth to my mother. She's crying because she knows it's my best and worst day. I go up there, it's my weakness. But but I boast in this infirmity now. And I would say it's probably bad enough to be an infirmity. Do I still get those red blotches? I don't know. I don't sometimes. I, I failed in high school because when they would want me to come make a, a presentation, I would I would skip school. The back of my pants would be completely soaked red blotches all over, I would come home and my mother would say, why are you broken out all in hives? I'd have hives all over my chest. I said, I had to be in front of people. It's hard to believe, but I was the kid sitting on the auditorium steps with the kids who wore the big, you don't know what this is, you 20-year-olds, jinkos you know, the big pants and black clothing. Do they still have kids like that these days? Big black clothes in the trench, what they would call the Different crowd, I'm a pastor, so I'm gonna be nice. The different crowd, you know, all in black, they didn't have many friends. I was that kid, but I didn't wear black. I just sat with them because nobody else wanted to be my friend. Couldn't get a girlfriend, couldn't stand up in front of people because God makes his strength perfect in weakness. You try to hide them from him. He looks for them. He's not just looking for your boat or your platform. He's looking, he's looking for your weakness. If you have a sharp tongue, you try to hide that in the presence of the Lord and don't confess it to him. Don't look at that, Lord, because you won't let me go higher. Don't look at this weakness. He looks for them to where he can make his power, so he can make his power perfect in your weakness. Come on, is anybody getting, is anybody getting that revelation? Say, he wants to make his power Show through my weakness. Speaking about experience through the apostle Peter, in the kingdom, your experience is not what leads you to breakthrough. Uh, Can I talk about the kingdom for just one moment? I'm talking about the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about the kingdoms of of this world. The kingdom in the kingdom. Everybody say in the kingdom. Your experience is not what leads you to breakthrough. When people come up to me and tell me all the reasons, I should have known this. There's a guy who came working for me three months ago, and I should have known it. He had the best. I went on Indeed. I was looking, for resumes. I go through resumes, and I, and I filter through them, lots of them, and it really has to stand out for me to even give it a chance. And as soon as he, I met him, he was a believer. He seemingly loved the Lord. And then he began to tell me, and I should have knew it. Day one, he, he told me, he said, the Lord sent him here to bring my business to another level. Now, I know that sounds great and would get many people who are desperate excited. But now that I've matured a little bit, anybody, listen, if, if a guy comes to marry you ladies and just says, hey, you're the one and straight out of the gate, you better have a little bit of reservation. If he starts promise you, I'm going to take care of you, I'm going to do all this, Right out of the gate, you should have a reservation. Well, I brought this gentleman on, and all chaos began to happen at the jobs. And this is how the enemy works. He blinds you, and I couldn't see it was coming through this gentleman, causing division, arguments. But I was afraid to lose him because he had such great experience. And I'm like, his experience is going to bring us to the next level in our company. And we started losing money. Things were falling through the cracks. He wasn't a gentleman to the guys. Very, very arrogant. Arrogance is a sign. When somebody has to tell you all their experiences, people will, listen, God will use people to prove their experience. They don't have to tell you about their experience. Somebody say, prove it. But experience, when we let him go, peace returned to our company. It has been flourishing ever since. Been flourishing. Because in the kingdom of God, your experience is not what leads to breakthrough. Your reliance on the Holy Spirit does. That's what leads to breakthrough. I look for yielded, humble lives now. That's what God does. He looks for humble lives. Let me tell you something. When you, when you surrender the wheel of your life and whatever it is that you're facing right now, or you're experiencing failure in seemingly, whatever you say whatever. Wherever I'm experiencing failure is a sign that I haven't surrendered Completely, because there can be partial surrenders, completely to the Holy Spirit, because he's wanting to create a reliance in you. And as I said before, the Holy Spirit, Jesus will allow you to continue to experience bitter and utter failure over and over when you do things in your own strength. And he doesn't do this to embarrass you. He's not wanting to make life hard on you. He's not wanting to diminish your faith or even because he enjoys seeing you fail because he doesn't. He's trying to get you to rely on him completely. And he doesn't want you to push harder. He wants you to yield. He doesn't want you to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. He wants you to yield. In your marriage, you don't have to do more. Just yield to the Lord. Say yield. He's wanting to create reliance on the inside of us. Philippians 3.3, for those of you who are writing notes, it says this, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit. Rejoice in Christ Jesus. The last part of this verse is what I wanna release. Have no confidence in the flesh. That's a shouting verse right now. Have no confidence In you. Look at somebody and say that. Say, lose your confidence in self. Say, let God do the work. Which brings me to my third point, and I want you to stand for just a moment. I'm getting ready to close. Everybody laughs at me when I say that. I won't be like Pharaoh today and keep God's people too long. Let God work. Get out of the way, let him have the steering wheel of your life, not just eternity, not just listen to me we don 't want to just just get to heaven some people are like i'll just i 'll just be glad to get there but what about this side of heaven you don't you don 't want to spend time in this boat of you're the boat, I hope you've got it. it. It it means your life. The boat represents your life. The, the rudder that I'm talking about, the, the steering wheel or the helm of the boat, represents the control and who's controlling it. D- don't, don't spend your whole life battling, experiencing failure over and over. See, the flesh wants to blame circumstances. The flesh wants to say it's because I never got a break. So what? You didn't have a dad. My dad was murdered when I was nine. I blamed God. The reason I'm insecure and can't speak in front of people because I never had a father validate me. But then each time I would fail, it was a reoccurring issue. I would blame circumstances. I would blame my career of not being gifted enough, not being confident enough, not having the status, not getting a boost, not to get another pastor or minister to recognize or validate my giftings. And then I I got the revelation all along. It wasn't God's fault. All the while, he was nudging me, Paula. This is the thing, he doesn't take the wheel. He won't take it from you. He only gently nudges you and says, let me have that wheel. Let me work. You've been going around and around, fishing, toiling all night long. Daughter, son, let me have that wheel. Aren't you tired of the failure? Aren't you aren't you tired from the disappointment? It's time to yield control of your boat. And this is the reason so many of us do not see the work of the Lord in our lives. This reason, this is the reason. I've had to experience it publicly now for years. The reason for lack of moving forward it wasn't because and it's not because what we have isn't good what you're experiencing in your life and your life is it's it's not it's not because you don't have something good to offer to the lord it's because we won't let go of the wheel and he's a gentleman the holy spirit is a gentleman he doesn't take the wheel And oftentimes we push him out of the way because we'd rather do the work. But he will not allow us to partner with something that we can even take some credit for. I've wondered, I say, God, isn't that a little selfish? Isn't that a little bit of self-glorifying? Because according to your word, you're not supposed to glorify self so if I get out of the way, you get all the glory. And you know what he said to me? I'm the only one. I'm the only one who deserves the glory. Did, did you get it? He's out to make get glory for himself. And if you attempt to grab the helm of your boat, if there's anything that you're doing, any direction you're going in your life where you can seemingly take the credit, you will experience heartache, pain, and failure. Not because God doesn't love you. I have to drive that home. It's not because he doesn't love you. He just doesn't want to share the wheel with you because he doesn't want to share the glory when he does bless you. He doesn't share his glory with anybody. I'm going to really close with this. I better close this because there's a lot more content. I really want to go over here. Can I just have just a couple more moments? And then we'll get into some ministry time. I want want to tie this into a particular story in the Bible. I was thinking about how God is very, he's calculated, but he is predictable to a degree. He is predictable. I, the Lord, change not. I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's predictable. He uses the same methodologies and he has for hundreds of thousands of years. He looks for humble people to use for his glory. He looks for yielded vessels and we see that through the life of Peter. He did that through Moses. Peter thought he could even be faithful to Jesus in his own strength. Did you know that you can't be faithful to Jesus in your own strength? I've tried many times. I'm going to show you I'm not going to sin, Lord, because I love you. All every single time I'd end up like Peter. The rooster crowed and I denied him 3 times. You you apart from the Holy Spirit, you can do nothing. You cannot stay committed to Christ apart from the strength and the grace That the Holy Spirit allows you to have. You can't stop fearing in your own strength. You can't deliver yourself. And Moses, listen to this Moses, in his strength and his skills, he kills this Egyptian. This is really, truly my last story. He kills this Egyptian. He was called to be the deliverer of Egypt. He was the prince of Egypt, if you will. Do you see how quickly he killed that Egyptian when he seen that Egyptian harming one of his fellow brothers or sisters or countrymen, one of his kin? Do you remember, does everybody know the story of Moses? Follow me. Follow me for just one moment. He kills this Egyptian, buries him and then goes on the run. And I thought to myself, "God, why didn't you use Moses? He was tenacious. He was clearly confident. Gifted, He spoke the Egyptian language. He was clearly a, potentially a great fighter and deliverer. Why didn't you use him in that moment? God doesn't use aggressive people when you're very aggressive and assertive. So he puts Moses on the backside of the desert. Why? 40 years. Look at somebody and say, don't let it take that long. He humbled Moses and it took him 40 years and he didn't want to use him until he came to the end of himself. Because when you come to the end of yourself and you realize that you can't do it and you come to a place of complete yieldedness, this is what God says, when you don't want to do it anymore, when you don't want to elevate yourself, you're not in it for you, all of the trash and all of the garbage is removed, you're completely out of the way and you say, Lord... You do it. I'm yielding my life to you. I'm going to love you and I'm going to serve you either way. That's the point Moses came to before God elevated him. And you know how I know he was humble? He went from being killing an Egyptian, very confident, assertive, to now watch, watch what he says to the Lord. Jesus, God, Jesus, appears in a burning bush. Do you remember that? And he says, He says back to the Lord after the Lord says, I want you now to be the deliverer of my people in Egypt. And here's what Moses says, this assertive guy. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? He was humbled and he was finally little in his own eyes. He was finally ready to be used. And number two, then Moses answered back, watch these excuses. But suppose they will not hear me or believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they will say, the Lord has not appeared to you. He lost all confidence in self. The Bible says, have no confidence in the flesh. So he's humbled. He's made little in his own eyes. Then his confidence, his human confidence is diminished. He loses all self-confidence. And then in Exodus 4, he has another excuse. The excuse I used for many years. Exodus chapter four, for your reading, verse 10. Then Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent. O Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. He no longer relied on his giftings to elevate him. Let me make it practical. He stepped back and he said, here's the helm." Show me where the fish are, Peter. Show me where the fish are, Jesus. Your way. You know why he hasn't showed you where the fish are at yet? Because you haven't been ready to look for the fish his way. While you're still struggling because you haven't handed him the helm. That is a sign that the believer is ready when they step back and say, not my will. Jesus taught it. I don't want that cup. I don't necessarily want to do it that way. Can I tell you a secret? Can I? Can I tell you a secret? I hope the cameras are cut. I don't necessarily want to pastor his way I'd like to sleep in on Sunday every now and again I'd like some privacy I don't always want to hear your business I have enough of my own can't I just love Jesus and come and sit and enjoy the service it doesn't pay me I mean not in a way that I can pay a bill it gives me some gas money I don't want to look. Here's the thing is I never knew Jesus like I know him now because I said yes and because I will say yes until the day that I die. I'm not going anywhere. He's allowing me to catch lots of fish. And my heart is satisfied. Stop trying to tell him where the fish are at for your life. Stop trying to find them in your own strength. Stop trying to find success your way. Young lady, don't look for the fish your way. His way. I even feel, even now, relationship. Don't look for relationship your way. His way. Put your hand on your heart. Say, your way, Lord. Keep you guys from moving during service. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Everybody say your will, not mine. Today, Lord, go ahead, repeat. Today, Lord, I step back from fishing my way. And I yield the helm, the wheel of this boat and I choose your way not mine in Jesus name Amen Thanks so much for joining us we hope this message impacted you today if you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977 interested in hearing more check back weekly for new messages have a great day